Hello everyone and welcome to the Red Men TV, it's the Around the League show. I'm Steve Hoare, joined by Ross Chandley and over video link we've got Man United fan Alex Turk and Norwich City fan Chris Reeve. We are going to be talking about everything that happened over the weekend. Obviously the big story was Man United and their, their defunct former manager who was at the wheel and crashed it into a, a wall. We've also got Chris is very much in a Chris's big smile there shows Norwich City won a game of football. So that was handy as well. We're going to get to all of that. Um, but first, as we always do, we are going to start with our weekend results roundup. Um, Ross, I'll come to you first then, because um, this is a top of the table chat, lads. So give us 30 seconds. Um, Chelsea okay, hammered. <laughs> loads of daggers going into this. <laughs> no, so Chelsea yeah. hammered Leicester 3 0. Yeah. Um, and City hammered Everton 3 0. I was looking, if they said before the season, when we we're hoping our the big title rivals would drop points, they might have been games we circled, but it felt to me like they went into those games with Leicester in pretty rubbish form and with Everton in pretty rubbish form and the results kind of were what we expected in the end. Yeah, Everton have got a load of injuries and the, the form's been terrible and they don't have the squad depth to kind of back anything up when they come against up against quality. And similarly with, with Leicester probably, it feels like Leicester and West Ham have just swapped places and that's like a really easy assumption to make. But like West Ham's rising confidence and the, what they've maintained from, from the back end of last season's been brilliant, whereas Leicester just seems to kind of pick up an injury or two, they had to drop the form that they, that they, were, they were going on. Like, I don't understand it, to be honest, because they've got a really good manager in, in Brendan Rodgers for who knows for how long that might be. Um, but you just think it, it, things will turn around and they just seem to be a bit miserable at Leicester. Yeah, and, and Alex, I'll come to you, mate, then, because I, I keep thinking, this, and we're going to speak a lot about Oli Solskjaer in a minute, but one of the yeah. things that I kept thinking was every time, like, Man United were getting beat by teams who other teams were then going to wipe the floor with. So obviously Leicester, Leicester's one, Watford's one. As you see, like Chelsea goes to Leicester and just make it look so so easy. Does that kind of make you think even more? Like you know, what could have been? It, it could have felt like this whole thing's dragged on for a while. Yeah, um, on Chelsea, you know, they they were my title favourites at the start of the season. You know, there was sort of question marks over Liverpool. Would they refine? you know, that that past form. Um, and obviously City, you know, the whole striker situation. Um, so, you know, there's obviously, there's a clear gap at the moment between Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City. Um, but, you know, on, on United, um, yes, it has it has dragged on. Um, the writing's sort of been on the wall for a long time um, with Oli. Um, and as you say, um you know these results. You know Chelsea, what happened before Leicester. Um, you, you know these have been teams that we've struggled against this season. Um, you know since the start of the season, we you know we battered Leeds, we battered Newcastle, but we weren't that convincing against Newcastle. And you know we've we've dropped points against Everton at home, Aston Villa at home, and you know in that period it was sort of like right, something's not right here. You know these players do not look like the players they've looked like you know, at their different clubs or in past seasons. Um, and yeah, as, as I say, it's sort of, it's just been this period of, we know what's going to happen. Even if we win a game, we know it's just, you know, delaying the inevitable. And I'm just sort of relieved now that we're out of that sort of sticky yeah. patch, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll definitely get on to a ton more to come across that later. Um, a couple of other results, Chris. I'll come to you on this one then. Um, a man who's very held very near and dear to our heart, Stephen Gerrard, replaces the man who's now very dear and near to your heart, Dean Smith. Um, 
I, again, I don't know how much you guys care about this, but as a neutral for me, can't, I'm no longer a neutral. I've, I've kind of been forced to have an Aston Villa soft spot, but I thought it was really important. Like the new manager bounce kind of thing. We saw obviously Newcastle didn't get it because Eddie Howe wasn't allowed to be in the stadium, and they, Newcastle looked as bad as they've ever looked. Although they did score a few goals, but I thought you saw a tangible impact of Gerrard, and I, and I don't know what you thought, but. Um, like Brighton, for example, we, we thought are oh, going to be a they were a European contender a few weeks ago. And now they're slowly starting to slip back and back down the table. But that was a, a very good win for Gerard in his first game. It was a, probably a good game to get, and, and Villa responded to him. And I'm obviously going to say this as you'd expect, but I do believe that Dean Smith has laid the foundations for Gerard, and I think that's a blessing, that real blessing for Gerard in his in his first Premier League season as as gaffer. And I think he'll do very well at Villa. I said from the outset, um, tweeted it very clearly, got loads of stick for it. I believe that Aston Villa should be knocking on the doors for Europe. I really do. Look at the spine of their team, the talent they've got up front, one of the best goalkeepers in the league. And Steven Gerrard now, what he needs to do is just put all of that passion, that energy, that that tactical awareness that, of course, won him won in the league with Rangers. He just needs to put that in place at Aston Villa. I know it's easier said than done, but I think that Gerrard will have a good season with Aston Villa. I don't think they were ever going to be down there with Norwich. So I expect them to be off. So I'm not particularly worried about it from a Norwich City point of view. And I look, I, I wish Gerard all the best. Um, you know, top man, inspirational leader, Premier League legend, Liverpool legend, of course. And um, yeah, I think he'll do very well at Villa. And it will be very interesting to see um, ha- how it how it kind of plays out regarding um, whether he'll end up at, at Liverpool um, one day, whether that be three years, four years, five years, or maybe never, because there was talk of a of a lifetime contract for Klopp, and and it's it's fascinating, isn't it, to see how it turns out. We've we've heard empty words from Brendan Rodgers before, for example, when when he went to Celtic, and I'm not sure if we'll ever see that from Gerard. Though I think he's a man of his words. So, um, yeah, wish him all the best. And from a Liverpool perspective, of course, you lot are all going to be supporting Aston Villa now, in a sense as well. So, fair play to him. Um, I think he'll do well. I'm going to come to your team in a second, Chris, but before that, Ross, if you look at the bottom of the table, I mean, results kind of did go, you know, if you're, if you're a team who were down at the bottom of the league, you know, Newcastle draw at home, Burnley draw at home, Leeds United get beat. Uh, Brentford have started finding their way slowly sliding down after a very good start as well. It, it, a big win for Watford, and again, we'll talk, we'll talk, sorry, Alex, we're going to come to that in a minute, but... We're starting to see now, like as the Eddie Howe impact that Newcastle. I mean, the poor fella gets COVID a day before he's meant to be in his first game, but it looks like already it was a great weekend for Norwich City. It was a great weekend for Watford, but some of those like Leeds now look like they're in big, big trouble. And Newcastle, like Eddie Howe's got a massive job on there. Yeah, with the exception of Newcastle, I suppose that's why loads of these clubs in the past three weeks have changed manager. You know, we're still very early doors into the season. Form, morale, confidence, set up. You know. You, someone's got to pull the trigger. Normally it's Watford, and it was Watford who went first. Once they start, it starts a, a kind of ripple effect of other people going, well, actually, do we need to change something while there's someone else out there? Have they got the right idea? Do you get three weeks into in December and things haven't changed? And then you find yourself in, in the shit a little bit more and there's no managers available. Um, so I think it's good, and it, it shows why these these boards and clubs decide to change management, decide that a change is needed at these. Newcastle's is obviously the exception because... Eddie Howe's not been a, a, a game yet, and they obviously and they, and they drew. 
but there's no no reason to say in two three weeks time he, he can't have an impact. Yeah. You know, yeah. the new manager bounce is a thing. It's alright doing it for one game, but you've got to maintain that. I'm, I'm sure Chris Chris will agree on that as well. Yeah, I'm going to come to you on that one, Chris. We'll move on then. Looking again before we speak on your games, you must have been delighted with some of the results that you saw happening around the league, like Burnley and Palace drawing at Burnley in a, in a mental game. Newcastle dropping points at home, like I say, Leeds getting beat. It did feel like uh, again, other than the Watford thing, and you can blame Alex as well for that. It felt like almost like a perfect weekend for Norwich. Yeah, cheers, Alex. Thanks for that, mate. <laughs> what, what, what am I doing on here? <laughs> <laughs> get, mate, when you're getting sticked for a Norwich fan, you know that you're in trouble. Look, I think uh, from a Norwich City perspective, you know, even with my yellow and green glasses on, I, I, I know that Norwich City are in a situation now where we need results to go our way. They went our way last weekend. And the Premier League's a funny league, and we've seen teams get out of the position that we've been in now on, on multiple occasions and, um, you know, since 93 and, and even before that as well. And I think that, you know, Norwich have got the opportunity now to to make some serious strides and prove a lot of people wrong. And, you know, I, I think we'll we'll know where or whereabouts, um, not just Norwich, but also who are the relegation candidates at the end of December. I know that's quite cliche, see where people are at Christmas, but I think you might see Norwich City out of that bottom three at Christmas because we've got some really, really winnable. I say winnable, sorry, I shouldn't say that. We've got some games that we could cause teams problems in coming up. Of course, we've got Wolves at home, another home game after we've already won two in a row. That's a great opportunity for Norwich to to, to show whether we've made progress or not. And um, of course, a tough one. But then we go away to Newcastle. That's a statement. If you can do something away at Newcastle, given where Newcastle are at as a club. It's the perfect opportunity for Norwich to play Newcastle because, of course, in January, we're not going to be able to get anywhere near them. And then away at Spurs and at home to Manchester United. And sorry, Alex, I fancy us now to to, to cause a, another upset. I do because, you know, Norwich, Norwich always come up and cause one big team a problem. And, and, and I think it might just be Tottenham or Manchester United. So from a Norwich perspective at the moment, um, the, the the yellow and green camp is very optimistic, rightly or wrongly, but that's what we're all about. The only self-funding football club in the Premier League, and I think people should wish us well. Norwich can upset Steve Bruce's United at Old Trafford. There, <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason. Sorry, joking aside, why the phrase "a change is as good as the rest" is an actual phrase, and that does that's that's for the from a fan's perspective, but also the players. And it was really interesting listening to Connor Cody yesterday when he was he was kind of talking about it, and even like you know, routines of changing things and and voices that you hear in the changing rooms and uh, management and stuff like that. And I could just bring back to the point I made before of these clubs have changed management and backroom staff because they need that refreshment to, to, to spur them on because if you don't, it's, it's sink or swim. Yeah. I know it's a gamble, but every employment's a gamble. Keeping keeping Daniel Farker at Norwich for another two, three weeks would have been a huge gamble the way it was going. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of that, Alex, we'll come to you again, mate. Um, Let's we'll, we obviously we've got one more result. It's obviously the Man United Waffle game, and we'll we'll start tying yeah. this into the the whole Ollie Solskjaer chat and debate. And there's tons about it, but it it's felt it's felt inevitable for a while. But was was that the low of the low point? Obviously, you've had United, you've had the Liverpool game, you've got players apart by City, we've got the Leicester game. It hasn't been great, but I mean that that must have been as low as you felt for a long, long time as a United fan. Yeah, um, you know. You sort of know when you're coming to an end of a, a manager's tenure. Um, you know, every game is like, you know, oh, we're, we're changing it up soon, so does it really matter? Um, I mean, that's what that game felt like, you know, which is just absolutely ludicrous to me. Um, I watched it in absolute disbelief, you know. Uh, 
even championship teams last season didn't make Watford look like prime Barcelona, you know. Um, you know, before the game, what I think Watford had maybe the worst. Uh, they were like the worst in the league for chances created. Um, but they they should have been four or five up at half time. Um, you know, United for not the first time this season, for not the first time under Oli, they looked uncoached. They looked out of ideas, uninspired. Um, and, you know, the only goal, once again, came from a really clever bit of play from Cristiano Ronaldo. And, you know, he's not going to be around forever. So, um, sound like he's going to die soon, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, we all we all yeah. do. We all will one day, Alex. We all will. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, looking at the defence in the midfield, it's just, uh, it's just tragic at the moment. And, um, you know, I think we conceded 15, I think it was like 15 shots inside the box. Um, it's a. It's, it, I, 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 I struggle to find words for it. I, I've, I've not. It's gonna. It, it sounds hypocritical because I am about to sort of lay in the show. I'm gonna sort of say why I've sort of. I'm gonna look back on Ollie's spell as you know quite fondly, um, but this is. It, it's the lowest I've felt, um, especially considering United's back six on Saturday. I think cost a combined like. 250 million um honestly they look like they look like 2.5 million combined because it yeah, was just did, did. Alex were you surprised um, that they didn't pull the trigger after the Liverpool game and like yeah. like a lot of teams did just before like, international break so then you get the time to get someone yeah. else in it, it's almost like a lack of foresight on on Ollie's part but also I think he's getting a lot of stick the players should get a yeah. lot of stick as well, but also the, above that as well. You know, Edward Wood and the rest of the, the directors at Manchester United yeah. have a, a lack of planning, which is cost... You know, part of the reason Ollie was still on the job for so long is because there was nobody else. They missed the boat on Conte the week before, and that was the day after, I think, Liverpool beat, beat you 5-0, and it was Conte to whatever. Tottenham then gone, OK, sound, you're not having him. Nuno, you're out. And it's just, it's all a bit of a mess, isn't it? Yeah, um, even before the Liverpool game, um, you know, we've won four games in our last 13 in all competitions. We've lost five of our last seven in the Premier League. Um, you know, a decision should have been made after that Leicester game. You know, we lost 4-2 to Leicester. We looked absolutely clueless. Um, there was no, you know, there was no direction at all. But, you know, we lost to Leicester a week after, obviously, the Liverpool game. Probably the worst experience I've ever had live at a game at Old Trafford. Which is probably I loved it, Alex. Curious. I can't lie. I, it's, no, <laughs> I had yeah, a really I, good I'm time. Sure you did. I'm sure you. I'm sure you did. You know, and then midweek, I think it was that it was the Spurs game. You know, we won three 0 It was a good performance, but you know, Spurs they were on their last legs and they sat the manager a day after. Mm. Um, but you just knew because we won that game, our board would have been like, "Oh yeah, okay." You know, this new new formation, new ideas. You know, here we go. Um, but then a few days after, City, City come to Old Trafford and <laughs> arguably that was even more depressed than the Liverpool game because we were just hopeless. I feel in the Liverpool game, you know, you guys sort of profited on our mistakes, but against City, it was just a clear, uh, the, like, the gap in quality was just absolutely outrageous. Um, you mentioned there, Alex, before, so I'm gonna, and I'm going to bring Chris on this one. You, you, your team did exactly what Alex mentioned before. Even though you won a game, they still they were still brave enough and bold enough with their decision to, to sack a manager. Like that, To be fair to your board, 
I always felt, I'll be honest, I've never been a big Daniel Farker fan. Every time I've seen him again, I understand everything he's done in the in the championship's been amazing. And you know, he has pissed the league twice. I know you guys mentioned that on your show quite a bit. But I, I mean, to be fair to your board, even though they won that game, it could have been easy to go. Actually, no, it, he's got another two weeks. We'll see how he goes. But they made the brave decision, and ultimately, I think personally, not a city have got a better manager in place now than they had three weeks ago. And I mean, they deserve a lot of credit. I don't know if, how your thoughts were. Did you think it was taking too long, or were you happy, or how, how was that all process work out for you? Um, well, if I'm honest, it actually happened quicker than I thought because they'd placed so much faith in Daniel Farker, and they've always really stood strong on the fact that you know this isn't this isn't just a hiring. Norwich have never been a hiring and firing club, and I genuinely don't think that's down. I don't think that's down to our stature. I think it's a good culture that's been embedded um, by Stuart Webber, who, of course, was once upon a time part of Liverpool. So he gets that. Um, and yeah, I, I thought that that Daniel, I, basically after the Leeds game, that's when the board had decided they were going to call it quits on Daniel Farquhar. We, of course, lost at home 2-1 to Leeds, who were really, really bad. Um and they were only just a little bit less bad than we were. And um, so the decision was made then. Um, and actually, do you know what? And I know this sounds a bit a bit strange, but I'm actually pleased that Daniel Farker got sacked after a win because it, it it's 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 what what proper Norwich fans would have wanted. Because of course, as you said, he he he's won us the league twice. One occasion in 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 eighteen nineteen where we had bugger all money, um, less than half the budget for some of the better championship clubs. Sorry, better championship clubs. Um, uh, I guess more established and more wealthy championship clubs. And then we get our records point total last time. But we called it on our channel, Talk Norwich City, after the Leeds game. No, that's it. We're done now because it's not going anywhere. It's very evident that the players weren't performing on the pitch. So I'm pleased we've changed it. I think it's a stroke of luck that Dean Smith became available. So massive thanks to Aston Villa uh, for that. And I, and I've already seen it. I had the pleasure of sitting in the in the director's box for the for the last game by chance and you could just hear and listen to everything that Dino and 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 Craig Shakespeare were, was saying and that's the sort of management we need. I just want to quickly say something about Manchester United Alex just just to rub it in. What must be a massive worry that Norwich have won two games in se- since September and United have only won one. That's <laughs> yeah. That's bad, isn't it? Yeah, it is bad. But you know you know as I say you know, the club have been desperate to keep Ollie until the end of the season. The, this board hate making big decisions. And, you know, Ollie hasn't been getting results for a long time. And, you know, as the cliche obviously says, you know, football's a results game. And I'm just, I'm, it's a sad time, but I'm also, I'm just, I'm happy that they've finally, you know, grown a spine and made a decision. Because as you say, yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah. sorry reading, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's really bad. It's really bad. Can I speak to you before we we we'll move on in a moment to potential new targets and stuff? And then obviously we're going to speak to Chris about the new manager bounce and what a new manager can bring to a team. But I'll be honest, Alex, from afar, and, I, and Chris, we'll get Chris's comments on this as well shortly, and Ross's. But I was amazed at this whole exit interview thing. That that was staggering to me. I've never come. I mean, I've never come across that before. Really, it was. And again, he's a club legend. But like we saw Kenny Dalglish, who's probably a, a, an even bigger legend that one than than Oli is at United. For for us, anyway, he's probably the best player who's ever played for our team. I found it very bizarre the whole situation. It was almost like it kind of summed Oli's career up a little bit for me. And that it was like. He was he was happy to be there. He might not, you know. He was almost yeah. like riding his luck. That he, I, I can't believe him. Yeah, I'm even going to do an exit into it. It, it just seemed like 
Jose Mourinho didn't do an exit interview. Louis van Gaal didn't do an exit interview. You know, it, it, it was very... David Moyes didn't. What was your thoughts on the whole situation? I found it very, very strange. Yeah, right. So, for me, Oli has done a much better job than a lot will give him credit for. And I know that sounds mental from probably the outside because you guys are like, right, United didn't win a trophy. He's been a massive failure. But, you know, from, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to sort of, you know, work in football and sort of, you know, United are on my mind 24-7. Um, and this has been the most enjoyable period for me, um, you know, these last three years since Alex Ferguson left. Um but like just because he didn't win any any trophies, you now I think I think he deserved sort of the, you know the farewell, you know that a club legend, you know should get. You know he he got us our, our best joint our joint best finish uh, since Fergie. Uh, you know he broke the Chelsea hoodoo. You know we were awful against Chelsea for years, um, but he's got some great results against Chelsea home and away. You know three straight wins at the Etihad uh, with some great performances. The nine nil against Southampton, um, you know that I think we won was like six two against Roma in Europe. That was you know that was really good, and that was sort of the, the PSG game stands out, doesn't it? The PSG, the PSG game, stands out, game yeah. exactly. Um, endless goal, uh, endless wins by you know five or more goals. That that was unheard of under Lou Van Gaal and Jose Mourinho. Um, you know, endless comebacks, um, and I think I think he's got the best away record. Uh, of any manager in Premier League history. And, uh, okay, you know, for most of that, there was no fans in the stadiums, but, you know, it's something to be proud of nonetheless. Um, so I think with the goodbye video, um, as I say, United were desperate uh, to keep hold of them until at least the end of the season, just so they didn't look bad. You know, they gave him a new contract in July. Um, and for that, they've had to pay him, I think it's like £8 million, um, to let him go because they're just so bad at decision making and I think this interview it was Ollie's idea um Ollie asked for it and you know the club were never gonna say no um but I think it's just good PR more than anything like you know they, they don't want to look bad and they do look bad but you know it's sort of just numbing um the situation really can I ask one, one thing that jumped out at me? And I've been laughing, I'll be honest, Alex, I'll hold my hands up. I'm biased in this. I was laughing my head off at some of the interview. Some of it was very emotional, yeah. and I agree, it's hard when a club legend leaves. We've been there before. We, we, say, we sat Kenny Dive. That's the bit I laughed at when he started crying. Oh, fair enough. That says more about you than us. But, but the, <laughs> the bit that I really laughed at was when he went to him. Well, when, when I, every time I left Molder, they won the league the next season. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, maybe, Ollie, maybe, you should, maybe that's you. Maybe yeah. you like, maybe, oh. <laughs> who knows? Like, maybe you aren't that good then. Yeah. That, that was, I just thought that was really yeah. funny. I, I, I agree with Alex, is right in, in terms of perception, what he's done. It's great that everyone's singing Ollie's at the wheel. And that's probably heard the United fans that everyone said that as, as in been, been taking the piss. It, the, the feel good factor, there's a lot to be said about that because yeah, it was yeah. so horrible under Mourinho, negative, and even to the point where I think Mourinho was just negative for the league in general. I remember seeing one of these shows to Benico, just get him out because I'm sick of him being so negative and, and bringing everybody else down. So, you know, United fans to feel like they've got their club back or, or someone who represents them and, and what they feel, I think is really good. But the interview just felt all a bit Brent to me. And it's like, if you, if you left, do a statement. Just do a written statement. Oh, I had a great time at the club. Great for the opportunity. Done. You don't need to do all, all the other bits. Um, and it just it just feels a bit like weird, needy 
desperate. It, that's how it came across to me. Great, he's, he's had a good time. He's enjoying himself, and he probably won't have his say. But so I, my my first thought, like Alex said, there, it's PR. My United's PR team and social media team have been the busiest people since Father Christmas in December because all they're doing is just churning out things to, to appease the fans by then putting that out and then going like you've just said there. Okay, yeah, he's, he's a human. I feel sorry for him. I'm not here to, you know, character assassinate the guy, but also yeah, I am. If that's the glazes going. Okay, everyone's worried about that now. You know what I mean? There's a big fire going over here with the, with the glazes and, um, and their mismanagement. But also, look, the, the manager we just had is crying. Go, go and pay him some attention. Yeah, Chris, I'm going to come to you on this one. You, again, Daniel Farker won two trophies with you guys, won your two league titles. Or, you know, as, as good a job as he possibly could do. How did, how did Norwich handle his leaving? It was, it was just a statement, wasn't it? And, it, and I, know, I remember him, because mm. it, it came, again, a little bit out of the blue, because it came after a win. But it, it, it felt like that was probably the... Better way. And what was your thoughts on A, how Norwich handled that? And then B, the whole situation of Man United, the folly I've handled Ollie's departure? Well, first of all, I think there's never a right time to, to, there's never a right time or potentially even a right way to sack a manager. And I think it's very easy for people that um, haven't got a club legend as a manager to dismiss what has happened regarding ollie's departure and um, it's interesting isn't it like i remember um when we when we went down to to league one um back in 0809 we had brian gunn in charge um, who of course people will know as as a massive big gk in goal but back in back in the day and was a total and he is a total norwich city legend now i would have wanted that video and if i was a manchester united fan I would have been pleased seeing that video from Ollie because I do genuinely want him to, I want to know he's okay. Right. I don't want the, I don't want to think that the club has shafted him. Right. It's good that Ollie wanted to do it. It's good that Manchester United allowed him to do it. If I was a Manchester United fan, I'd be happy that, 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 that decision has been made. Um, and I think it's just very easy for an opposition fan. However, to contradict myself, I was so done with Daniel Farker that, I didn't. I wouldn't have wanted a. I wouldn't have wanted an exit interview because we were all bored of the the nonsense and analogies and the excuses. And he probably would have just ended up um, complimenting all of the teams in the Premier League before saying goodbye. So I think it depends on the relationship. But for a club legend, I certainly think it was the right move. And if I was a Liverpool fan, and you know, going back to Kenny, I I absolutely I think that you guys would have been happy if Kenny had done an interview like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, perhaps. I, wouldn't I, I still don't understand Kenny Daglish to this day, so I wouldn't know what he was saying. Anyway. <laughs> Alex, we'll, we'll move on. Yeah. Obviously, that's Ollie's gone, and it was the, we all know it was I've the right one, decision. I've got one more question oh, for Alex. Well. And this isn't a loaded question, Alex. It's just something that I was talking to someone about the other day. And, and I mentioned before, there's loads of issues throughout Manchester United, and I've uh, well, word the Glazers and, and whatever else. Is there an element, and I mean this in a, just a tiny element, where... My United fans might think that Alex Ferguson is a potential hindrance, and I don't mean that as in he's, he's club legend, and I, I know what he's done Manchester United, one of the best managers I've got the utmost respect for him. But is it hard for someone to come in as a manager of Manchester United while he's he's still there? Now there's been references to Ollie like not parking his parking spot. There's been the Ronaldo stuff of going, was that Ollie signing? Was it the player that you needed? Or as as Fergie gone, oh, kind of getting back, which kind of to me felt like just halted all your plans in the summer because you needed a DM. It might be a test of character, but is is he pulling some strings that maybe he shouldn't do? And does that you know does that influence a manager and their choices and what they do? Which is interesting. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Sir Alex is uh, arguably you know United's greatest icon, um, and he will always 
Um, he'll always indirectly have a say in decisions that the club make. Um, base, basically, what um, sort of what the talk is that Alex Ferguson he's part of the board, but he doesn't sort of he doesn't make decisions, but his opinion is like highly valued. Um, so, if I was a new manager coming in, no, I, I don't think I would sort of be wary of of you know Alex Ferguson's um you know opinion I think yeah I think it's great that he's still involved with the club and he's and he's still you know as I say indirect indirectly you know um helps with decisions um uh, yeah I, I I think he I think he's involved a lot less than than people think um you know I, I don't think Cristiano Ronaldo joined in the summer solely because of Alex Ferguson regardless of you know how he gave that as his reasoning um so no i i, I think um you know he'll as long as he's you know alive and kicking he'll always impact what the club do um yeah but no I, I don't think i don't think it's as big as as people say it is before we move on and alex and we're going we're to speak about potential options and what the, what man united plans are and again i don't mean this it, it, it's going to sound like I'm, I'm putting the boot in i'm really not like is there a manager alive at the moment who could make Manchester United a champion given how that club is run from top to bottom? Because it looks to me, they've tried everything. They've tried the the up-and-coming Premier League experience manager, David Moyes, didn't work. The serial winner, Jose Mourinho, didn't work. Another big winner, tactical genius Louis van Gaal, didn't work. The, the, the young club legend, up-and-coming manager, didn't work. Like Almost every managerial route that you could take, Man United have tried since Alex and Alex left. And the one constant is the ownership and the board and Ed Woodward and his position. Like, is it almost the impossible job? You know, the England manager's job has been called the impossible job before, and I've heard that. But I struggle to see that. Is any, can anyone have great success at Manchester United? We're sort of so we're stuck in this period right now where I think, regardless of who who is in charge at United, United aren't winning the Premier League when you're facing. Pep Guardiola's Man City, Jurgen Klopp's uh, Liverpool, um, Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea, and even Conte Spurs in a few years, you know, they could be up there. Um, no, uh, to be honest, um, you know, there's obviously several names being mentioned, but even though United sort of have the squad that should be challenging, I think Guardiola and Klopp um, specifically have just created monsters that, you know, you just cannot beat. Um, I, I feel like significant improvement can be made and United can certainly challenge, um, but there's just a level at the moment that I just cannot see anyone or anyone available right now. I can't see anyone coming in and sort of like flicking the switch and making United, you know, challenges again. Um, yeah, as, as can't see it's going to be difficult. Can I just say, sorry, Chris, I want to come to you first because you're, you, you're, a, you're a fan of a team who's just changed manager. From all the reports we're hearing, and again, who knows how much legitimacy is in this, is that Manchester United are considering doing the interim manager thing where 
you get an interim in, and it, look, you know, Michael Carrick's name's been mentioned. I think Darren Fletcher's name's been mentioned. Um, Steve Bruce put himself forward. All the best, Steve. I, I, I love that. Ballad. I'll do it. Yeah, sure you will. I'll, I'd like to. I'd like to put myself forward to go out with Katy Perry as well. Just to, if she's listening, <laughs> listen, she's, she's a subscriber. She is. Shoot your right. shot. You don't, listen. Yeah. You, you miss all the shots you don't take. But Chris, like if Norwich would have said we're going to put an interim manager in charge for six months or whatever, and then we'll go again in the summer. I mean, it just again. That's Man United kind of did. That's how they got in this mess in the first place with Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Like they, they put him in and he did just about good enough to that did, where they were forced to keep him. It just doesn't seem like a very good tactic to me, mate, at all. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, no. I, I, a club of Manchester United size and stature shouldn't be messing around with interim managers. I think in a position like Norwich City, for example, where we can't necessarily attract a, um, uh, an elite manager, I would understand the, the need for holding out. Um, we got lucky. I know that Dean Smith's not the elite, the, the elite, but we got lucky regarding that. If not, we would have been, um, we would have been with with Lampard or, or an unknown Norwegian in Nutsen. So, yeah, for, for me, the interim manager thing for Manchester United doesn't work. The thing that, the thing that I think, Man- and I and Alex, I, I really like you, mate. So it's not a dig at you, but the thing that always really got on my goat when I went to Manchester United as an away fan is when you walk in the stadium, the P, the the PA announcer. Is, is giving it the welcome to the biggest, best football club in the world. And I'm just thinking to myself, and I think it's almost that attitude of just complacency and relying on the brand that they've fallen victim to. And now they are paying the price for that. And, um, you know, and I feel bad for proper fans like Alex, but I think it's, um, I think it's been coming a, a long, long time. And I think now I would agree with your observations. I think, people will be second guessing this United job now and they'll think, be thinking, Oof, do I really want that? And that, and I know that Norwich are nowhere near that level, but that's the great thing for Norwich is that when we go for a manager now, they know they're going to get security. They're going to get at least three seasons to try and make it work. And I know that's unheard of in the modern game, but I think, yeah, I, those are my honest thoughts on United and their management situation. It's, it's hard because... It, it feels like I mean it's it's good as a Liverpool fan watching the, the demise of Manchester United because I grew up in the nineties and just ruined my childhood basically. But one thing that you, they always had at Manchester United was like proper characters and Ferguson's that interesting that he's still there because he's, he carries an aura with him. Do you know what I mean? If he's walking down a corridor, you, you know about it before he's even spoken because he just carries a presence. The the the, the problem with United is the, the issues throughout, but also like oh he never had it, and I, I don't think there's anyone in that squad who think he's a massive character. You know, grew up on like Vidic and Stam and Rio Ferdinand and Neville and and Keane, and it might be a bit nostalgic from my point of view to kind of reference all those players. But then I look at the team now. I think I thought Ronaldo would give them that leadership that they lacked in terms of the way that he plays, and he probably has done because he's, he, for most games he's done his job. You know, he scored a goal, he got an assist for, for Van der Beek the other day. But then I look through and I like Harry Maguire's interview post Liverpool. I was like. It's just so beige and boring and lacklustre and thinking, I'm, I, as a fan, I'm not supposed to have any belief in, in anything you're saying when it's just the, oh, yeah, we were going to do better, believe in opinion. It's, it's boring. Do you know what I mean? Where's, where's your passion? Where's, where's your fight? Show that on the pitch. Might not have lost their, their needle and their aggression yeah. to kind of win games. And then it's yeah. like all these tweets that come out after games. Stop it. Show like and for Bruno Fernandes post, post Watford going, oh, don't blame him, blame us lot. Fucking do it on the pitch then. It's right saying sorry after you finish the game to people that pay good money to watch you get absolutely thrashed. They've had the time, these these players, and I don't think there's anyone in Manchester United, they need help on the pitch, not just as a manager, to get them through. But because the, 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 the management and the and the directors and recruitment has been so poor and the amount of money that they, they've wasted, and the amount of money that they've wasted on players that aren't even there anymore, by the way. You know, this has been going on for five 
plus years that they've done. They've got themselves in a massive mess and it's been coming. Yeah, as you're right. What, what is, I'm going to list, read you a list of names then. Uh, again, I, don't know, the, the, I think the latest report I read was that Pochettino was possibly interested because he, he wouldn't quite he wouldn't mind getting out of Paris. He isn't loving life, loving life there, but he's essentially just a coach. And Zidane wants the PSG job, doesn't he? And I think I think Zizi would quite like to be back in Paris. Yeah, so it, the, the, that's where the, the dominoes seem to be falling. But then again, it does talk of interim managers. That, so the, the list of bookmakers' favourites. So Pochettino is first. You've got Rodgers, Carrick, Zidane, Ten Hag, Blank, uh, Ralph Ragnick, and then Luis Enrique. Like. It's weird, that, and I'll come to you then. In fact, I'll, I'll come to you on this. This is the thing what I get with Manchester United. They are seven or eight different fellas, and there's not one of them is the same. They are completely different. It's not like Man United know what type of manager they want. That is just... So how can you even compare Lauren Blanc to Pochettino? Like, it's a very scattergun approach. Yeah, or it? like a Zidane. It's like, I don't think Zidane is known as a master tactician, where someone like a Ragnick, that's it. You know, he's, he's from the sport and director model. You've got Luis Enrique, I think is a very good manager, by the way, with Spain. But then you've got like, well, is he any... Is any any similarity between him and Ten Hag, who again is more a coach? It just feels, Alex. It's, I don't know. Again, this is bookmakers' odds, by the way, so we don't know the legitimacy of them. But it feels like Man United haven't even got an idea of the type of man they want. Never mind the man who it is. Yeah, um, I actually, I actually think they do. Um, I think okay. there's a reason why Maurizio Pochettino and Eric Ten Hag are sort of the two front runners. Um, you know, you mentioned Lauren Blanc and um, Ralph Ranić. Um, I think they're more in the frame, um, sort of for like until the end of the season. Um, Same as Michael Carrick, his name's being thrown about, isn't it as well? Well, that's the thing. But you know, let's not forget we're in November. Like we're we're still at the start of the season. Basically, you cannot yeah. just write this season off, and you cannot keep Carrick until the end of the season. But this is the worry, and this is what happened with Solskjaer. If Carrick mm-hmm. gets some good results, you know, away at Villarreal tomorrow, Chelsea next weekend, Arsenal the weekend after, if United turn Give him the contract. Games, get us, get us. Uh, I hate to say it. I hate to say this, but he's at the wheel. Give him the contract now and sign it now. No, but that's Sorry, the Alex. worry. That, that's the worry with this board. You know, it, it's it's unpredictable. That, that that is a genuine possibility. You know, he, oh, a few good be, games. Honestly, a few good games. They could give it to him till the end of the season few good games after that you never know it's just um who do you want Alex pardon who do you want who's your um Ten Hag um I think Ten Hag epitomizes what United should be about I think his style of play um his his willingness to bring youth players through his ability to develop younger players as well um and also I know Van der Beek would fucking love him, wouldn't he? He might get a game. <laughs> well, hey, bold managers do pretty well in the Premier League, don't they? So, um, <laughs> what, about Daniel, what about Daniel Farker, Alex? Alex, what about Daniel Farker? You know, he's he's won, he's honestly, won trophies. You know, I, I'm with Steve. I've I've never liked Daniel Farker in the slightest. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to miss never him, understood. you know. His voice. Yeah, he looks like a Bond villain, but just sounds like an angel. No, <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, no, but... Um, no, but I mean, yeah, Tenag's sort of my choice, but he's not going to abandon Ajax midway through the season, and I don't think United will wait until the end of the season. You know, this, Brendan this is Rogers. my point, Alex. Sorry, sorry, Alex. I yeah, want to cut across that. This is my thing with the interim thing. I get the point of the interim manager because if if yeah. you're thinking is we cannot get we can't we can't get Poch out of PSG and we can't get Tenag out of Ajax, 
But it, it, again, you, your point, I think you referenced it really well, is that it's fucking Manchester United, by the way. It's Manchester United. Like, five years ago, these managers would have been jumping through hoops to get to Manchester United. And now it's like, well, we might have to convince Sudan that it's a project for him, or, you know, can we get... Pod- like, it's, it's, it's staggering, Alex, to me, that, like, Man United can't just be... Fucking, go out with their bollocks swinging on West Ham Man United. Is this because of the ownership and everything, like, what we've seen for years, like... Someone's reluctant to be the Man United manager. Where again, it's not that long ago where every single manager in the world would have been queuing at the door at Old Trafford to get that job. Yeah, it's it's been a culmination of the last you know eight years. United are not a, a one man club anymore. United have become a sacking club, but United don't want to appear to be a sacking club, and that is why they have tried to sugarcoat Ollie's sacking with this nice video, with all the respectful um, you know social media posts. All the players have said goodbye, but I can guarantee you that's just the PR team asking him to do so. 100%. You're not going to, you know, Martial coming on social media and thanking Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He hates Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, let's be Thanks honest. Thanks not giving me a game. <laughs> in a bit. <laughs> Fun, you know, thanks yeah. for never selecting me yeah. in your team, Ole. I miss you lots. Yeah, but, um, you know, you, you do mention that, you know, managers don't, you know, aren't desperate to join United anymore, but I... I really do think if United approach Pochettino tomorrow, I no, think I, I think Pochettino will be United manager, you know, as soon as possible. I think he's ready to I leave Paris. Yes, yeah, I think the BBC reported this morning, Alex, I've got the quotes here just to, to back up what you say. So this is a, a report from Simon Stone and it, it says in his report here, it's not thought that United have made an approach yet, but the 49-year-old is less than completely happy with the setup at PSG, where his role is essentially that of a first-team coach, with all broader club and footballing issues handled by sporting director Leonardo. So I suppose the flip side is, and this is where Ed Woodward comes into it, and I'll come against Alex, I'm going to stick with you for this theme, but like I've seen this morning that Ed Woodward's considering hanging around for a bit longer now because he to get this all sorted, which again, it's a bit like me saying I'm gonna I'm you know, I'm gonna hang around when I'm I'm the man who's half caused the fire and I'm gonna stick around to try and put it out again. That's what it kind of feels like with Ed Woodward. But it that I suppose if you are looking at Pochettino for your like you're, you're saying he could be available, it is that, it's that it does look like he doesn't quite like the mod, the setup at PSG, and at Man United he will be given a little bit more. Like I imagine he's got a, a bigger say in transfers than say he gets at PSG now. I don't know how much Edward Woods even knows about football. He just gets deals done, but it does feel like if if he if he is coming to Manchester, it could be for that reason. Which again, there's probably money to spend. There's a good squad, so you, that, if if nothing else, that could be one way to be, to entice him out of Paris to Manchester. Yeah, um, I mean, I. I think his wife. I think his wife is living in London at the moment. So he's been living in a hotel room by himself in Paris since he took over at PSG. And one of the reasons I read that BBC report, and one of the reasons that he's unhappy in P- at PSG is because of the egos in the dressing room. You, you know, you've got you've got Messi and Mbappe, Neymar. But my concern is, surely you're not going to fix that by entering a dressing room containing Cristiano Ronaldo, Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandes. You know. Um, I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. Poch sort of is my guy, but you know, if he was, I would much rather, you know, a coach of his pedigree to come in tomorrow than, as I say, have a have a tacky interim till the end of the season, write the season off, and then, you know, go into next season even more clueless. It, it does sound, yeah, Chris. It does sound bizarre, doesn't it? That Manchester United are potentially considering jibbing off a season. 
in which there's 26 games of league football to go. They're still in Europe. They've still got the FA Cup to come as well. Like it, it does seem like, like how can you just write off the rest of the season by you know giving it to Michael Carrick or giving it to Darren Fletcher or whoever it is? That that it, it does seem quite bizarre that the, that's even on the on the table. But the flip side is it's Manchester United and everything they've done for like five seasons is quite bizarre. Or is it realistic? And and with respect, is it? what Manchester United fans need, which is a bit of a reality check. Um, with with respect, I, I really do think that. And, you know, and I can only try and, you know, try, try and make this resonate from a North City perspective. And, you know, when you, and, and Alex has said it himself, you know, you're coming up against, you know, City, Liverpool, they're, they're untouchable. You know, Chelsea are the team at the moment that, that are going to be the ones to beat for the title as well. Manchester United aren't going to be anywhere near the the European places. So actually, to maybe flip that, I don't I don't see why why they shouldn't go with with character shore the ship. But they need to communicate that with the fans that we're holding out for 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 someone bigger and better with respect to Carrick. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's I'd be hating it if I was a United fan because you what do you do? Um, but you've got to change it eventually and. I could almost argue of to, to sort of stand in the corner of the interim manager maybe and say, well, actually, United are used to Solskjaer, so therefore they'll be pretty numb to Carrick. And therefore, maybe this is the best time to ride it out with Carrick until the end of the season. Um, yeah, it's going to be, it's not, it's going to get worse before it gets better at Manchester United. And now, you know, the fact that bit, bit, big lugs, me, yellow and green boys coming on the red men, giving it large, saying Norwich have got a chance against United. You know that's that's a serious because but that's true and and every team that comes up against Manchester United now will be like we're going to try and give it to them whilst they're down and it's going to be an incredibly tough job an incredibly tough job for whoever steps in whether that's Poch even if it's Poch um, if he comes in now you know the opposition will be really wanting to make the most of this so it's not going to be nice for Manchester United. It'd be interesting to see how the players react. And we've got a game tomorrow night against Villarreal yeah. because you you get this with teams and and all these teams that have been. Uh, had managers been sacked and you get the new manager bounce but also a lot of it is um, you get this with Chelsea of, of players not playing for the manager anymore you know kind of lost the dressing room and I, you know I can't fathom that you know putting money aside of going I don't, for me and it's easy to say irrespective of who the manager is if I was playing for Liverpool Football Club I'd run my bollocks into the ground every single game whether their job was on the line or not because I've got a bit of self-respect whereas you know, I think we all know football works a bit differently to that if these Manchester United players respond, because this is the, the frustrating thing for, for Man United fans is, you go through that Manchester United team, that's the frustration with them. Of like, they're all not really just good results, players. They're really good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you struggle to put a best 11 together for some of them. I don't, I don't really rate Harry Maguire, to be honest. No, I had a go him before, but I, well, I, just, I, I, just, well, I, just, I just don't rate him. There? Yeah. Does scoring a goal against Albania and doing this? No, I've no, no, no. seen for no. Harry Kane, who packs five <laughs> goals against the arse and the Europe every fucking year, and then everyone thinks he's the sun sunshine's out of his arse. He doesn't. <laughs> um, but they might go for the United squad. You know, you mentioned Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba. I, I, I actually quite like McTominay, but I just don't think he's been utilised properly or the balance has been really good, the way they set up. Luke Shaw was like looked like he was done, but not, his, his form has, has come really good again. The squad that they've got is good. Van der Beek, Sancho, the, the, the attacking options that they got, they spent £88 million on a player that they chased for two years and then didn't fucking play him. Do you know what I mean? It's just complete madness. So whatever manager comes in for all the negative things that you're saying, Potts will look at that squad and go, well, actually, I feel like I can get a tune of that and it's up to, up to him or whoever else, not Steve Bruce, to back themselves to think that they can get something with that yeah, team. Yeah, and Chris, this is where I'm going to transition to you then because Ross had mentioned there about players and, and giving people second chances and stuff. Your manager did, did, did this the other day. He... 
you know, Todd Cantwell was frozen out at, at Norwich under Daniel Farker. Billy Dean Gilmore. Smith comes straight back in. Billy Gilmore hadn't been playing much, Addy, I think I'm right in saying as well, which is, again, yeah, I can't fathom that, but... Dean Smith came in, and one thing it was, it was a clean slate, and I think I think you saw that it was quite refreshing. He, you know, there was no hangover. He didn't care what what happened with the last manager. I don't care. I'm I'm picking you guys now. And at the weekend, you you saw the benefits of that because it, it was a very good performance. How has what was different from the last games and the games under Daniel Farker than we saw against the, at Southampton at the weekend under Dean Smith? Well, first of all, just to quickly nudge back to United before I go on to, on to Norwich, I think that's the upside, of course, of bringing in a permanent manager that's not Michael Carrick. I don't think Michael Carrick will change too much because of because yeah. of how close he's been with Solskjaer. But to bring it to, to the Norwich City side of things, look, Billy Gilmore and Todd Cantwell, you know, Todd Cantwell in our in our season in the Prem, last time we were up before, before this one, scored six, set up nine. It was his breakthrough season. Um, Daniel Farker can't, manage couldn't manage players with that personality right and it was really interesting because the club released an interview behind the scenes and Norwich have got a soccer bot which is one of two in the UK uh, sorry one the only one in the UK and Dortmund have got one as well and um, Stuart Webber uh, sorry Dean Smith says to Stuart Webber our sporting director who who are the best who's the best at this and Stuart says Billy Gilmore Todd Cantwell and that's been the frustrating thing for Norwich is that we've been sitting on this talent and it's been underutilised, perhaps because they've got a bit of an ego, maybe some slight arrogance to them. Um, but I, th- I think it, that's that edge that you need in the game. And in terms of the difference that those two players have made, look, Todd's very unfit. Say, maybe not very unfit. Todd is unfit. Um, and that showed. And in the first half, Dino made the decision against Southampton to bring it off, but on Josh Sargent. Um, who who we signed in the summer and made a massive difference. But Billy Gilmore played the full 90, was impressive, picking passes out of nowhere. Um, and, I, and I described him as a little terrier, you know, nipping at the heels of the opposition, causing all sorts of problems. The delivery on that man is ridiculous. And he showed his form that, 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 that we've all seen for Scotland. And it's very obvious that, that he's been hanging around with Champions League winners at, at Chelsea. And I think he's probably the best... Yeah, one of the best loan signings that Norwich have managed to secure in my lifetime of, of 28 years for sure. We've had Hux before from Man City. Uh, we, we've had Crouchy. Uh, we've had Oliver Skip from Tottenham, who was fantastic as well. But Billy Gilmore, what a blooming player he is. And what those two players bring to Norwich is, a, is bundles of energy. But also, most importantly, especially going into these games with that new manager bounce, an unpredictability about Norwich City. And for example, when Liverpool came to town at Carrow Road, it was so easy. It was so easy for Liverpool. They knew they just needed to sit in there and then they just needed to pick us apart at the right moments. They knew our wing backs were going to venture up. Boom, 1-0. Boom, 2-0. That Salah goal was great. But those other two were just so easy for Liverpool. Behind those lines, cross it, goal. So, yeah, from an Norwich City point of view, it brings unpredictability. It brings energy. And from a fan's point of view, those are the two players that you want to be um, you know, watching in, in the terraces. We don't watch football. You know, you mentioned Harry Maguire. You know, why do you love football? You love football because of the characters, because of the skill, because of the flair, those magic moments. And that's what Billy Gilmore and Todd Cantwell bring to Norwich City. 
I love Billy Gilmore. He's absolutely brilliant. We went to um, Chelsea away in the FA Cup, and we had—I think we had Fabinho in that midfield, and obviously two others. And he just completely ran it. It was interesting watching him at, at, at the weekend in terms of like it's his movement, isn't it? And the energy, like you said, the energy that he brings, like little give and goes, making asking questions of the opposition, like where is he? Where, where do I pick him up? Playing in, in in between the lines. That's what Norwich have lacked. Like it's it's all very good. Like the service to to Pukin on on forwards for, for Norwich hasn't been there because if I've no one who can stay on the ball for five minutes, it's like you know as soon as they press, he's dropped the shoulder. You know, low centre of gravity, he can get past people. Whereas they've not had that for the rest of the season. And I suppose Fark has paid the price for not not paying him. You mentioned there before, Chris, as we come near the end of the show, obviously two wins on the bounce now, you've got some winnable games as well. I mean, three or four weeks ago, I mean, everyone written Norwich off. I don't know if you, what boat you were in. It felt like you guys were even like, oh my God, the gulf is, is massive now. Given that everyone around you looks a little bit crap as well. And you've got this, a new, I think, a, a very, very good manager. I'm a big Dean Smith fan. I know things didn't go well at the end of Villa, but I'll be honest, I think half his team were injured and we'll get around to that as well. But... It looks like his confidence much, much higher. Is, is there a genuine belief now rather than a hope that Norwich can, can end the season as a Premier League club? Because, again, three, four, five weeks ago, it looked like it was just inevitable. I think on the scale of genuine belief to hope, we're probably still in the hope patch just. But that swings after we beat Wolves at home 100%. And it then becomes, you know, we actually believe it. Um, and that's one of the things that, that, that Dino and Craig Shakespeare, of course, the number two at Leicester who won the Premier League, you know, that's what they're trying to instill in this North City side is belief first. And that's what's coming through the fans right now, but just not quite there yet. Of course, it's going to be ridiculously tough for Norwich. And as I need to keep reiterating, because I want more opposition fans to realise this, as a self-funded football club that hasn't got loads of money, that hasn't got a billionaire owner, you know, the, the, the nearest person to us, I think, is maybe Watford or Brighton, which is like 120 million or something. And we've only, you know, Dealer and Michael and Jones are, are worth 25 million. So, it's such a tough job job for Norwich City and everything in me from a football morality point of view wants us to do well. Never mind being a Norwich fan. I want to prove people wrong. I want to prove I want to prove to to the teams in this league and the nationals that have written us off that it is possible to stay in the league with a minimal budget, with just a good team tactical performance. And you you can't just throw money at a wall. And we've seen that. You know, we've seen loads of clubs just throw throw money at the wall, and it doesn't and it doesn't work. And I do think realistically, it's still going to be really tough for Norwich City. But we've got some games coming up now where we can build momentum, and we know that momentum in this league is vital, and it can completely change the 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 narrative. And also, as well, it starts to put fear into the opposition as well. And you know, Norwich have just literally turned up the games and cast their doors open and said come on then how do you want to score against us today whereas now I think the opposition will, will start to think about what Norwich City could do to them Absolutely and Alex same question to you then are you confident Manchester United can, can avoid the drop and, uh, <laughs> and stay in the Premier League as well where are you on the, on the scale of hope to expectation <laughs> One one final blow. I'm going to end with a serious point, though, mate. Like you mentioned cool. before, the interim thing, and this is where I'm, this is my thing for you. Like yeah. Michael Carrick, you, you're a Manchester United fan, and if Michael Carrick gets this job for six months, you want Manchester United to win every game. But in the back of your head, is there not a certain thing like exactly? Fucking, exactly. I want Man United to win every game. But if Man United win every game, we're going to end up giving this yeah. fella a five-year contract. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, that That's it just it. sounds like a very odd situation. Is that how it, you feel? It, it, it's been like that all season. But like, you know, we, you know, I go, I go to Old Trafford, you know, every game, you know, desperate to see United win. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, it's just, it's just delaying the inevitable by another week. And you know, 
I think after after Chelsea away and, and um, Arsenal at home next week, United have a really good run of games, um, sort of from the start of December all the way to the end of February. Uh, we don't play, I don't think we play any of the top six once. Uh, there's like a run of 15 games where they're all winnable. And if United can get that, uh, get that new manager in before then, um, I seriously think we, we can salvage this season. Um, but, you know, as I say, with this board, um, that's sort of a hope more than a, a prediction. And it does we'll seem a bit silly if they, if they were to do that, Alex, because, you know, ultimately all his downfall was his experience and his ability to manage those players. Carrick was there under Mourinho as well, I think, wasn't he, as, as, as well as Oli. Yeah. So to replace someone because of their experience, lack of experience within Premier League football to give someone else a job with even less experience seems a bit bit daft, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, that's right, Man United right. for us at the moment. Yeah. It does. No, it does. But, I, I um, want to leave it there. Go, sorry, mate. Go on, Alex, you go before we wrap up. No, 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 yeah, just just one last point. is like with with Carrick, obviously Kieran McKenna and, and and the coaching staff have stayed with him. So you can't you can't expect, you know, mass changes under Carrick when, you know, it, it's exactly the same coaching staff as as Solskjaer had when they had a, a major say of what happened anyway. So um, no, you know, as I say, I, I think I'd be very surprised if by the end of by the end of the season, Pochettino wasn't in charge. Yeah, I think I tend to agree. I think that's where we're heading as well, guys. Thanks very much, Chris. Alex, absolute pleasure having you on the show. Come back soon. Talk more about your football clubs, Chris. I hope your team are doing better, Alex. I can't lie. I hope your team aren't. Ross, thank you very much as well. And uh, thanks for everyone who subscribes to Red Men TV. It's been an absolute pleasure. That was the Around the League show. We'll be back next week with more fans from other clubs in this league. Until then, we'll see you soon. Ta-da. <laughs>